This episode, like every episode of TTU, is brought to you by Audible.com. With over 180,000 titles to choose from, check out audibletrial.com slash TTU to get a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial. Yeah, uh, two-tone, the podcast, it's the livest. Every week we talking about them Tennessee Titans. Better tune in, it's the podcast you want. Hosted by my big homie, Ryan Morland. Mariota throwing bombs, he don't ever miss. Malcolm Butler hold it down with the pick six. Talking stats and plays, what's happening? Derrick Henry, Dory Jackson, this where we get it cracking. Yeah, Tennessee Titans podcast. Tone. Hey, tune in. Hello and welcome to this episode of Two Tone Uncensored. I am, of course, am your host, Ryan Moreland. I hope you like our new intro. Uh, some really good work done there, or at least I think so. So let me know how you feel about it on my Facebook and Twitter, uh, and we'll see how everybody feels about it. I'm excited to be back. It's been a little bit, guys. I know that everybody's out there. I've gotten a lot of messages. Hey, where's the show? We're back. Uh, this week, I'm, I'm excited to be back. It, it feels like it's been a really long time since I've been in front of the mic and just been crazy here and in, in my world, but I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to talk to some Tennessee Titans football as we gear up in here in the long stretch of the offseason. You know, this is the worst part of the year for me as uh, as a football fan, as as a guy who covers um, football like I do. It's it just, this is the boring part. And these next few months is... Just gearing up for the season, the anticipation, and you're just waiting for the season to start. Um, you know, but but we have do have a lot of cover, a lot of stuff going on in the world of the Tennessee Titans. So let's just jump right into it. Uh, first, let's talk about these draft picks. And, and anybody who watched the collaboration that we did between like myself and uh, Cody Milholland with Titan Town and uh, Chris Noel of uh, Titans and Truth. And, you know, the guys over at Titans Tube, it was a lot of fun to do that. And you, you kind of heard our opinions in, on the early draft picks, but I'm just going to give you my basic ideas. First three picks, uh, Rashawn Evans, linebacker out of Alabama, great size. He has the versatility to play inside or outside, great burst to get into the backfield and can play from sideline to sideline. Uh, the negatives for him, it's not going to be much of an upgrade uh, over Wilson in the passing game. Uh but it adds a pass rush wrinkle. That you know, that's a little bit of a, a positive negative there. It's not much of an upgrade in the passing game, but he is a better pass rusher for sure. There are some takeaways from Evans that I don't like. You know, at times he seems blockable, especially in the interior of the offensive line. Um, you know, but that it doesn't. That's not something that's necessarily always present. He definitely has gotten plenty of sacks on those delayed blitzes on the interior of the offensive line. But when he gets hands on him, he seems very blockable. I think this is a great pickup, though. I talked about it on there. I think it's a great pick and uh, for a lot of reasons. And I'll get into that a little bit later. I want to cover these first three picks, though, because they all kind of package together in my mind. Uh, the second pick was a second round, ninth overall pick, Harold Landry out of Boston College. Yeah, a great size. He had a phenomenal junior season with 22 tackles for a loss. 16 and a half sacks, seven forced fumbles, but then his senior season missed four games. But even with missing those four games, he didn't have that kind of production. You know, eight and a half sacks, or sorry, five sacks, eight and a half tackles for a loss, um, no forced fumbles. So there's definitely a big step down. More than just the time that he missed, you can see that there's a, a big gap there. Um, Landry has short 
He's a short guy. He has long arms to make up for it, though. He's a great edge bender. Uh, surprisingly adequate in pass defense when he's needed to be. Uh, most graded him as a first-round pick. And another thing, versatility. This guy has the versatility to play standing up, to play with his hand in the ground. And he is small to play with his hand in the ground at the NFL level. But his speed and burst and ability to bend that edge off of the side is going to make him. It's going to make it possible for him to play on that edge, kind of like a Bruce Irvin. Uh, you know, Bruce Irvin has bulked up, but came in the league a little smaller of a guy, but was able to bend that edge so well, and he did that one thing so well that we, um, you know, they were able to use him uh, very well, uh, even though he was much smaller. I think Landry has that kind of skill. The burst and that ability to move uh, and bend that edge is going to make him be able to play in the dirt at this level. But versatile, definitely a versatile player. The one big knock on him. Uh, he lacks moves. He basically he just bends that edge, and that's all he does. He gets around the turn, and that's it. He, he's very blockable. If he gets, you get your hands on him clean, he's likely not going to make a play. That he needs to be able to build that package of moves up because right now it's he's really a one trick pony. Pretty small, and he doesn't look like he can add a ton to that frame. Uh, but hopefully he can, you know, add a little bit to it. Yeah, you know, as I was saying, with long-armed tackles, he's going to be a, a very blockable player if he doesn't beat you off of the first step bad. Um, and he, he does his best work with his hand in the dirt, which with his size, you know, that can be a little scary. But still, very versatile player. Um, for me, this is the pick I'm most worried about is Landry because I really feel like we did a good job outside of him. Then we don't get another pick until the fifth round, 15th pick of the fifth round, 152nd pick overall. Dane Crookshank from the safety out of Arizona, 6'2", 209 pounds. His senior year, he had 75 tackles, 4.5 tackles for a loss, 3 interceptions, and 5 uh, passes defended. He's a big athletic safety. Hits like a Mack truck, and he has great speed to go along with that. All the measurables that you put in front of him. This guy's a combine wrecker. He, he's a guy that just measures so well. He has the size and speed to handle NFL tight ends. He could play nickel if you needed him. Another thing, and I know you already beat me to it, but he's versatile. He's a very versatile player. The things I don't like about him, inconsistent in coverage, gives up plenty of, of, of touchdowns and pass interferences, especially on deep balls and especially on combination routes. You know, you throw that extra move in and, and you're going to get Crookshanks out of position. That's definitely something we can work on at the next level. You know, keep in mind this is a fifth round pick. You know, this is kind of those hit or miss picks, and it's okay if you miss a few of them, uh, as long as every now and again you're hitting one well. So, you know, this is a guy who has a lot of upside. He has the, the all the measurables exactly where you'd want them. He just has to get the the football IQ a little higher. Uh, and before we get into our next pick, which is Luke Falk. The one thing that I really love about these three players, and we picked them together, all defensive players, you're talking about a linebacker, edge rusher, and a safety. So all three levels, you know, assuming that Harold Landry's not playing, standing up. The one thing you really like about all of them is the versatility. And of course, versatility is always important in the NFL. It's always important. It's never not going to be important at this level. It's just not. But especially when you plan on running a multiple front and showing teams different looks, you need players that can play different positions. You need players that can excel in different spots. We have three guys that can. 
we have a guy in Crookshanks that can play as a nickel corner. He can play in the box against the running game. And if you really needed him to, which, you know, he's, this is his big weakness, but he could play over the top. He has, you know, those three interceptions and five pass breakups. He has some skill back there. He's not terrible. It just combination routes really eat him up. Um, in a pinch, he can play there for you. Like a player to a game, it's probably not going to be the difference in a game. Harold Landry can play with his hand in the dirt, can play standing up. He's surprisingly good for his size, build, and player type. Surprisingly good against the pass. Rashawn Evans is like the perfect tweener for an inside-outside linebacker. He can play either spot. He blitzes really well. He plays coverage solidly. He he moves from sideline to sideline you know, amazingly. He has very quick flex hips. He's always in the right place at the right time. This versatility is going to allow this multiple uh, defense, this multiple front to work. If we have guys and we can show teams a bunch of different looks, then you never know exactly what you're going to do. Because out of this multiple defense, what we're planning on is, and even though we don't really know exactly how it's going to look, any multiple defense, what you're trying to do is run the same plays out of this, out of different formations, run different plays out of the same formation, and get teams so confused that you can line up two completely different ways with two completely different players or, you know, multiple multiple sets, different uh, player sets, and run the exact same play. It can, you know, it's, it's the exact same play. So teams can never really know exactly what you're doing. When you look like you're going blitz heavy, everybody could be dropping in the coverage and vi- vice versa. It looks like you're teeing off the run. And, and, you know, you never know. Keep the offense guessing so that forces them to try to beat you just on raw skill rather than on scheme. And there's not a lot of football teams out there that are going to be able to beat this defense on raw skill alone. There are a few. I mean, we have to be honest. There are a few that are going to take advantage of this defense because there's high-powered offenses out there. You know, I think of, like, the L.A. Rams right now. Um, the Eagles with Carson Wentz back are, are a team that, you know, very high-powered on offense. Of course, Tom Brady, in, until he retires, is going to be a team uh, that has the ability to put up points a week in and week out. But most teams, and now I'm focusing in the AFC South, don't have an offense where they're going to be able to beat you talent on talent. We're, we're looking at three offenses that struggle. Um, you know, and you, the one argument could be made for the Houston Texans with Deshaun Watson because he did look really impressive, but Watson was also on pace to throw a shit ton of interceptions. He looked really good, and don't get me wrong, he was throwing a lot of touchdown passes, but he was throwing a lot of interceptions. And once the NFL starts to figure him out and starts to figure, you know, how to guard him, how to play him, what's the best way, and I think some defense is already starting to, um, you know, like pull your safety in, make sure you run man coverage from anything outside of the the hash marks, you know, start playing man Once teams start doing that, those kind of things, and picking up on what he does, he's going to have that slump. Uh, And I think it's going to hit him hard. I think Watson's going to be looking at probably a solid like start to the season, three, four games, and then it's going to hit him hard, and he's going to slump. But the other two, I mean, Andrew Luck's a great quarterback. You know, you can't take that away as much as we'd love to. He is a great quarterback when he is on the field. But there's not a lot of offensive power there. That offensive line's still not going to be great. Although they did improve, the running game is still going to be a nightmare. Outside of T.Y. Hilton, they really don't have a lot of talent at wide receiver. Then you look at the Jaguars, and it's a, it's a running game. That's it. They, they have a good running game, and that's it. 
and we were able to shut down that running game both times we played them, which led to victory. So bringing this versatility gives us an extra wrinkle that forces offenses to beat you um, without knowing what they're, you're, what you're going to do, without having any idea what you're going to do. And, and that's the idea, is you can make a, a good defense great if with with great coaching. And I think that's what Vrabel's trying to do. So I really like these picks, all because they're versatile. And that versatility, like I said, important anywhere, but very important in a multiple front. Uh, then we get to the last pick, 6th round, 25th pick of the 6th round, 199 overall. Um, and everybody's been talking about, you know, 199 overall, because that's where Tom Brady was picked. And that was Luke Falk, quarterback out of Washington State. He's staying 6'4", 215, solid size for a quarterback, although we'll likely add, like him to add a little bit of weight to that frame, you know, 5 or, or 10 pounds. Um, had a massive sophomore year, you know, 38 touchdowns, only 8 interceptions, um, over 4,500 yards, and then the stats slowly drip over the next two years. You know, he goes down in, in his last year... Um, 30 and 13 with uh, 3,500 yards. Still very impressive. Those are still really good numbers, you know. But it is a little worrisome when you see a guy drop uh, over his time. And his sophomore year was fantastic. His junior year was a little worse. His senior year was a little worse than that one. So that is a little bothersome. But I think he will make a good backup. Um, and it's not like we need him to be our day one backup. With the addition of Blaine Gabbard, that's just not necessary. So he's going to have some time to set back and develop, and I think he has a lot of upside. So, you know, we were talking about sixth-round picks, seventh-round picks. You're talking about upside. Does this guy have upside? Could he be a good starter in a couple of years? Could he be a good role player in a couple of years? And I think Luke Falk is going to develop into a very good backup. Now, the people that are out there that are saying that he's going to start over Mariota, like, lay down your crack pipe. And, and listen to me for a second. You're the same people that were upset when we got rid of Mettenberger. Who doesn't, he doesn't play football anymore. You know, Mettenberger's out there selling insurance now. Luke Falk is a good player. He has some skills that, are, that I really like. He has some skills that Marcus doesn't have. But what he doesn't have is athleticism like Marcus. He doesn't have accuracy like Marcus. He doesn't have the kind of ball skills that make you great, like Marcus does. Marcus had a, a down year last year, but let me tell you this. Marcus had an unlucky year last year as well. Marcus threw, I believe it was 18 passes last season that were what you would consider interceptable. 15 of them were intercepted. That is an extremely high number. Most of the time, those are drops. If you consider, if you say, like, look at how many interceptable balls Derek Carr threw last year. If you take the same percentage of interceptable balls to balls that were intercepted for Derek Carr and applied it to Marcus Mariota, Mariota only would have thrown five interceptions last year. About 4.9 interceptions last year. So, I mean, that's just showing you. Marcus did throw a lot of picks last year, but it, it was he got really unlucky. The balls that he was thrown were intercepted all the time you know very high percentage which wasn't it doesn't happen to any other person like Marcus had the highest um, percentage of interceptable balls that were intercepted in the league last year also working in a system that wasn't built for his strengths was a big problem not getting production out of a starting running back for a good portion of the season was a problem not having Corey Davis until the second half of the season you know was an issue uh, Taylor Decker or sorry um Eric Decker not being 
as big of a of a piece as we thought he was going to be. And I think you know with this group has the ability to be really great. But we're talking about a really young wide receiver core that he's playing with, and then you know of course Delaney Walker. This year they're going to improve. We saw the flashes from Corey Davis in the playoffs, and he looked amazing. We've seen it, and and I'm starting to change my tune on Corey Davis. I do think that he could be. What I saw in, in that Patriots game was just unreal. He was the only part of that game that was worth watching. And you know that if you're a Titans fan. Uh, hard to say, but it was true. The two passes that he caught, were right, they were good thrown passes, but those were balls that were thrown up for him to go fight for. And he fought and won both times. And and it, and it equaled two touchdowns. So I, I think that this wide receiver core going into next year is going to be better. Um, but those all those factors together is why Marcus struggled last year. A little bit of it, uh, sorry, a little bit of it can be put on Marcus's shoulders because he did lose that weight rather than gaining weight like they asked him to, which I think it was a mistake. I think you could see it in a lot of his passes. That Pittsburgh game, you know, everybody talks about the wind. I was in that stadium. It was not that windy. Um, you know, it was windy. It was windy, more windy than your average game, but it wasn't windy enough to excuse a lot of the passes that he threw that night. I'd like to see him bulk back up and get to the point where he's throwing those mid-range balls are there in time. But I think it's going to come along. I think Marcus is going to have a big bounce back year this year. Luke Falk is not going to be your starter. Luke Falk will be lucky to be your backup this year. So calm down with the Luke Falk is going to be a starter because that's just insanity. Uh, but that's what I think of this draft. Four picks, I think we knocked it out of the park. I think honestly do think this is one of the better draft classes this year and it was smart the way that we did this and worked it um we got exactly who we needed to make this defense work that's why you saw as many trade-ups as you did this year is we knew exactly who we wanted and we went after these versatile players i mean you're looking at all three of them we traded up to get um on the defensive side of the football we went after guys that we knew would fit this system that would make this system work we're transitioning into this new defense. It's a priority for us. That's why we went after versatile guys. That's why we traded up for all three of them. We did it because we knew these guys would fit what we're doing. We knew these guys had the ability to play you know, two positions, to play three positions, to do different things. And that's why we got them. And it was a great draft for us because we got exactly who we needed to make that defense run. Before we move on with the show, I just want to let you know about Audible.com. Audible.com has almost 200,000 different audiobook titles, premium podcasts, audio shows for you to listen to, and you can get one for free on me if you just go to audibletrial.com slash TTU and you get access to all of this. It gives you a 30-day free trial, but you could go on there, download your free audiobook, ditch the trial, and you just get a free audiobook. So go do it. There's no reason not to. Uh, if you go do it, you help out the show, help continue the show, and make it better. And there's plenty of stuff on there, including some podcasts that they sat down and they talked to uh, Euler greats like Warren Moon, Elvin Bethay has one on there. They're amazing. Definitely worth checking out. So again, go to audibletrial.com slash TTU to get a free audiobook today. All right, so for anybody that listens to the show, you know that uh, Cody Milhole and my friend, good writer, uh, writing for All Out Sports Network for Fan Sided. Uh, he's doing his own thing with Titan Town. Uh, he's always on the show. He's been a big part of the show um, for the last several months here. He has his show on Titan Town on YouTube. Definitely check it out if you're not watching it already. It's excellent. 
but he did this started this new series that is if what would happen if the Tennessee Titans hired me as a general manager rather than J, than uh, John Robinson in 2016 so he, he submitted the challenge to me what would you do so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to go through to 2016 um you know who we resigned who we didn't resign in the draft uh, and you know some guys I would have targeted that we didn't target necessarily, and bring up some names that I would have gone through had I been John Robinson. Um, and, and Cody did this as well on his page. I'm going to make some comments about Cody's. Um, you know, mine's going to be a little bit of a reaction to his. So definitely check his out. You know, I think the best way to listen to this is stop right here, go check out Cody's video. It's about 20 minutes. Um, come back and then listen to this. And then the next week. Um, we're going to do 2017 together on this show, on Two-Tone Uncensored. Uh, together, we're going to talk about the 2017 offseason and what we would have done if we were the general manager. And then we're going to jump onto his show um, on Titan Tube on YouTube. Or sorry, Titan Tube. Titan, uh, Titan Town on YouTube. And we're going to talk about what we would have done and what we should do in 2018 in the offseason if we were the general manager. So doing a little bit of um, uh, back and forth between our two shows here. It's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. But let's jump in here. Oh, one quick thing. Just like Cody did, and if you didn't watch this, this will be news to you. Cody tried to admit all hindsight, trying to pick guys that he liked at the time. You know, we can all go back and be like, hindsight, I would have drafted all these guys that are now all-stars, you know, superstars in the league. Of course we could do that. You know, just go down the Pro Bowl list and find guys. Anybody could do that. What we're trying to do here is show you who we were looking at and, you know, what we have been on the on the caliber of John Robinson. Like, newsflash, we're not going to be. But what would we have looked like if we would have been the general manager rather than John Robinson? So let's jump into it here. The first thing Cody talked about in his was the re-signing of, of Zach Brown. And he was talking about he was in favor of this. We obviously did not do it. I was in favor of this as well. He had two very productive seasons his first two years. Not very productive, but solid. Very solid seasons his first two years. Um, then the injury, and then he leaves um, Nashville. I, I really like Zach Brown. He still wasn't expensive. I think we should have re-signed him. I was upset when we didn't. So, you know, back then I would have wanted to re-sign him, and I still think we probably should have. Re-signing Byron Bell. Uh, something we didn't do, Cody was in favor of. I was too. I thought we should have done it. He's a guy that's versatile. He's a great piece to have um, in your back, or sorry, as a backup. And he, because he plays so many different positions, he can play guard and center. He can play tackle on a pinch. He's a guy that that kind of versatility is exactly what you're looking at for in a backup offensive lineman. So the next one, and just a real quick knock them out. Not gonna spend too much time on them. Is like the moves. In the offseason, I agreed with. Rashad Matthews, love that move. I would have done that. Uh, ben Jones, love that move. I was calling for that move before it happened. Loved it. DeMarco Murray. My phone rings, and they're like, hey, you want to swap fifth-round picks uh, to pick up a guy who the year before was the NFL's leading rusher? I'd have been like, yeah, no shit. Like, I would have had to hide my excitement so I didn't scare them away. <laughs> of course, I would have made that move. Uh, moving on to some of the other ones that... That Cody brings up was Prince of Mugamora uh, that he thought we should have signed that year. Uh, he ended up getting a one-year, five million dollar con, five point five million, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, I, I don't like that. I wouldn't have gone after Prince Mukamura um, then. I thought his price tag was too high for the production that we have seen from him at that point in his career. So at the time, no, I wouldn't have. And, and I know this is going to sound like bullshit because, you know, hindsight being 2020. But a guy that I really liked that was a free agent that year that was slightly cheaper and I, I thought people were overlooking was Casey Hayward. Um, and, you know, right now, obviously, that looks like a great pick because, you know, he was the best corner in the league last year. He played phenomenally for the Chargers. But, you know, coming out of Green Bay, uh, and my mom is a diehard Packer, I really liked watching Casey Hayward play. I, I thought he had very clean footwork. I thought he was getting very, very overlooked. And uh, I, I really liked Hayward. I really thought we should go after him. Uh, and we didn't. So that was one that I really did like. And instead of going after a guy like Prince Mukamura, and and I would have knocked that one out of the park. Trust me, not all of them I would have knocked out of the park. We'll get to some that uh, I would have made big mistakes. Uh, and Steve brought up the point Cody did on his show about not getting Matt Castle and instead getting Brian Hoyer. I 100% agree. I would have absolutely done it at the time. I didn't like the Matt Castle signing. Um, I like Brian Hoyer a lot better. And then you look at this, like, obviously Hoyer's the better quarterback, but we wouldn't have lost that game in Miami. I firmly believe that if Brian Hoyer was our quarterback. We wouldn't have lost that game in Miami. That puts us in a running for the AFC South title. And considering how well we played against Jacksonville, we would have won the AFC South if we would have had Brian Hoyer as backup. I mean, that that's that's very telling, you know, of, of how good of a move that would have been. He's a much better quarterback uh, than Matt Castle, and I don't think there's much question of that. And he's not a guy that's going to light you on fire, but he can win you a tight game, uh, you know, against a team that's, you know, middle of the road, which is exactly what Miami is. Um, the Rashad Johnson, I wouldn't have done that move. You know, Titans did. Um, Cody liked it. At the time, I was not big on this move because I thought we were going to go into the draft with safety as a big need and just draft somebody anyway. So I thought it was kind of a waste of cap space to do it at the time. Now, looking back, I think it was a good move just to help transition into the Kevin Byard uh, era in, in Nashville. Um, and it, de it definitely helped. Like It wasn't a mistake having him on the team. So I would have been wrong on that side of that because I, I didn't like the move. I thought we'd just go draft somebody. We could have spent that money elsewhere in positions that we needed it more at the time, cornerback um, in the offensive line. And then he brings up uh, Calicio Simile as bringing him in. I love this move. I definitely would have done this move. He was pricey for sure coming out, uh, but I was all about going after him. Getting a bookend guard to go along with Taylor Lewan and really fixing this offensive line. Because if you remember at the time, this was a bad offensive line coming in in 2016. This was not an offensive line that we were really proud of. We had uh, Taylor Lewan end of list. Like, Taylor Lewan's the only guy that was on that 2015 offensive line that is still playing on this offensive line. That There's good reason for that. Uh, so I definitely would have been in favor of this, of improving the offensive line. I've always preached this. You win games up front, and getting a guy like Osimile would have been a great move. Um, for us to make, I would have been definitely in favor of it at the time. Now, DGB, anybody who tells you that they would have made that trade at the time, and their name's not John Robinson, they're a liar. Like, they're just a liar. At the time, it looked like a bad trade. DGB has a higher ceiling 
You know, we didn't know what to expect from Dennis Kelly. He really didn't impress in the last couple of years. Now, hindsight being 2020, great move. Like, it ended up being a fantastic move. I would have been okay with moving DGB. I probably would have been actively shopping DGB. I would have not taken that trade, though. I, I would have wanted more um, for a guy that has that kind of ceiling, or, you know, that we thought he did at least, uh, that kind of potential. I wouldn't have taken that trade, but I definitely, I think I would have been shopping DGB because we weren't getting out of him what we could have. Ship him now while the potential is still there because that potential is going to rise what he's worth. Um, but I know I definitely wouldn't have made that trade. Uh, he talks about Josh Klein bringing him back in. It's definitely something I would have been interested in, um, especially if there was no Byron Bell. I, I, you know, adding good depth at your offensive line is so important. We see teams every year that lose a bookend tackle and their season starts to crumble. Their running backs are, you know, instead of rushing for 100 yards, are rushing for 60 yards. And their quarterbacks, instead of taking one or two hits a game, are taking four and five hits a game. It makes a big difference. Having, a, you know, a really good backups in your offensive line is vastly important. We've seen this year, is year in and year out. Like, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know right now. Um, so I definitely would have been in favor for that. So moving into the draft here. Now, what I did is I didn't really change up and go into trades and stuff like that because it's hard for me to be like, oh, I'd trade this for that, not knowing if that team would have been interested at all in moving. Um, so what I did was the exact same trades that we did do because I would have taken that Rams trade. It was a King's Ransom. I, I honestly had very little faith in Jared Goff coming out. You know, If you listen to any of the other shows or, or read... On my writing, you know that I was not big on golf. I did like Carson Wentz, um, so I definitely would have taken that trade and moved back. And the trade back up, I would have also taken not to get Jack Conklin though. And anybody who listens to the show since the beginning knows that uh, myself and uh, Glenn Lotzenheiser used to be on the show. We're both very big on Larry Tunsil and thought he was like a can't miss player in this draft for, you know, the needs that we had. And at this point, you also have to remember, this is the year that Taylor Juan came out and said, I am the left tackle in this football team. Like, I'm not, no one's replacing me. And, you know, our response was like, all right, prove it. Which, of course, he did. <laughs> he came out and he did prove it. But that was this year. So this is before we knew for sure that Taylor Lewan was the dead set left tackle. I thought Larry Tunsil was a great move because he could come in and challenge Taylor Lewan. And if worst case scenario, Larry Tunsil's your right tackle. You know, that's the worst case scenario with that pick. I thought it was a you know a great move. When we traded up back to eight, I thought that was the move for sure that we were making. And we draft Jack Conklin. Now looking back, obviously they made the right move. Um, Tunsil's been on a bad offensive line, but he has still been pretty underwhelming so far. Um, Jack Conklin continues to impress. This was a slight downhill year for him, but he still ranked really high among right tackles. And when you consider his first year was all pro, you, it's hard to go up from there. Um, so Jack Conklin was absolutely the right move to make. Um, and, and in that one, you know, John Robinson definitely bested myself. Second pick in the second round. So this would have been the pick we take Kevin Dodd. I did like Kevin Dodd. I was I was kind of high on Kevin Dodd going to the draft, so I won't lie about that. But there was a guy that was on the board that I liked better, and that was Xavier Howard out of Baylor, who ended up with Miami. Um, Xavier Howard's you know had 
he's not terrible, but it hasn't been good. Uh, he had four interceptions last year, which was you know a, a good jump up from him from zero the year before, uh, but still has been underwhelming. You know he, he gets beat way too often. Uh, hasn't been a great um, cornerback. Uh, so you know you can say yeah yeah I think if you had to pick between the two, Howard is so far the better pick than Kevin Dodd if you're going to compare two different positions. But marginally better, you know, just because he's on the field and Kevin Dodd's not on the field, that makes him better. So that's a tough one, but I would have to give myself the edge there over John Robinson. Uh, but you know, marginally, so far he's still way up in me on me in this draft because he took Conklin and I took Tunsil. Uh, the next one here, the third pick of this draft. Uh, in the second round, this would be the pick that we got Austin Johnson with. Uh, I definitely went in a similar direction, but I went with a player that I liked better, and that was Jaron Reed out of Alabama. Uh, Jaron Reed so far has been a, a really solid player at nose tackle. He has one and a half sacks in both of his years, which, you know, considering the position he plays isn't bad. He's been very disruptive in the run game, which is exactly what was expected of him when he came out of Alabama. Solid, you know, solid career so far. So this one, I definitely have to give myself the edge. I think this was a better pickup for us. I think that this was the better move to make. And the next pick is the third pick here, also in the second round. Or sorry, fourth pick in the second round. Um, obviously, this is where we go with Derrick Henry, which is a you know any it was a shocking pick. There were some Alabama fans that were calling for it. Um, for sure, but it was a shocking pick given that we just got DeMarco Murray and hindsight looking back a great pickup Derrick Henry looks to have a very bright future ahead of him um, And I didn't hate it at the time. It, was, it did surprise me, but I definitely didn't hate it at the time I thought he was an, an extremely good running back The only knock I had against him was I was a little bit worried About how long his career would be given how many, how many carries he had in college, but All in all I, I didn't like didn't dislike the pick but there was a guy I was really high on um, that I thought got really overlooked. I thought he should have been a first-round pick. And that was Michael Thomas out of Ohio State. Now Michael Thomas has become one of the best young wide receivers in the game. Last year, Pro Football Focus rated him as the second-best wide receiver league-wide. And he had an outstanding season. Uh, this is a guy that I really liked watching. I thought he had a very bright future. I thought people were overlooking him. If you read my stuff... I kept saying it over and over again, don't sleep on him. This would have been a huge win for us. You'll notice these, this pick and one following, I, I feel like I really knocked it out of the park. The first couple picks, I'm like, all, all right, <laughs> they're okay. Uh, and then these next two, I knocked it out of the park. And then and then the rest of them, I, they would have been okay. <laughs> you know, um, not much. But these would be in the two picks that you've been like, all right, we can keep them for general manager for another year. Michael Thomas would have been my pick here. And I think it would have been a great pickup, obviously. You know, I mean, how couldn't it have been? He's been amazing. Uh, the next one, the fifth pick of the draft for us in the third round. Um, this one for me, obviously, this is where we go with Bayard, who is on pace to be an amazing football player. Like, he's on pace. He's all pro, pro bowl athlete, amazing safety, probably the best young safety in the game going to be probably the best safety in the game at some point in his career. So it's hard to beat that out. Uh, but I have a guy that I really liked uh, coming from my home state, uh, and I actually got to watch the play in person 
and I thought was very, very underrated in this draft, and that's Yannick Ngakwe. A guy that ends up going to Jacksonville, and we've seen how good he can be in person. I was really high on him. I thought he would be a steal if he was even drafted in the middle of the second round, so picking him up at the start of the third round is a hell of a steal. And, you know, already in his career, had just 20 career sacks in just two seasons. Would have been an amazing pickup. Would have been a, a big boost to that uh, pass rush, which we still are having a little bit of, of problems with. Um, yeah, that was a, a guy that I thought was being really overlooked, and I wasn't quite sure why. I, I really thought that people were making the mistake by rating him as low as they did. He ended up being a really good player so far in his career. So, you know, in that one... I guess you could say a tie right now. I think that Bayard's going to have the better career between the two of them. But that's just, you know, that's you have to factor in my bias. They've both been very impressive over the start of their young careers. Um, so we'll just call it even. Um, then we go into the sixth pick here in the fifth round. Uh, I w- this is where I would have gotten my running back. And I went with Wendell Smallwood out of West Virginia. Anybody who listens to the show enough knows I am a WVU fan. Uh, by the way, all you volunteer fans, I'm going to start getting on you because we're winning that game in the first week. But uh, Wendell Smallwood's a guy I got to see a lot. And I don't like going after West Virginia players just because they're West Virginia players. But this was a guy I really liked. I thought that he had an amazing burst. He was small but very powerful, athletic. He's shown flashes of some really good stuff, especially in his rookie year he did. You know, but since he doesn't get enough starting time, when he did in his sophomore year, it was underwhelming. You know, there's a reason why they went out and got a running back before the trade deadline in Jaya because they were going to make up Super Bowl run, and they didn't have a running back that they were confident in. Um, so you know, that's that's why they did it. Wendell Smallwood has been buried in the depth chart now, and it will probably stay there. So that's definitely not a pick. Uh, that I would have been happy with in hindsight. You know, it, it's hard to say that that would have been that would have turned out very well. Definitely one that I would have um, caught in some shit from you fans if I was the general manager. Um, the next pick, oddly enough, LaShawn Sims is who I would have picked here. Um, oh, and by the way, that last pick where I would have taken Wendell Smallwood in the uh, the sixth pick there in the fifth round, um, it would have been uh, Taze Sharp, who I was not high on at all. I-, I didn't like Taze Sharp because I didn't like his inability to catch the ball with his hands. He's a body catcher, which I still think plagues him a, a-, a good bit. And I think that's why you're going to see him be lower on the depth chart this year. Uh, it's because... He's a guy that has some very impressive moves, but he catches the ball with his body. When you throw 50-50 balls, they're not 50-50 balls when they're throwing the Tajay Sharp. They're you know 30-70 balls. He's going to miss a lot of those. Um, so there, you still have to give the edge, I think, to Tajay Sharp. Like over Wendell Smallwood, I think you have to. I think the ceiling's higher um, for Tajay Sharp. And I think you know running backs are a dime a dozen. And Wendell Smallwood's not a good running back. So, uh, definitely going to give the edge. But Tajay Sharp was a guy I was not very high on. Uh, LaShawn Sims out of Southern Utah was the next pick in real life. And if I was a general manager, I was high on Sims. I had him as one of my diamonds in a rough. I, you know, every year I do my diamond, diamonds in a rough and deep diamonds in a rough. And, and Sims was one of mine. Um, as well as another pick we'll talk about in a little bit. 
Uh, I was very high on Sims. I thought he was a perfect fit for Dick, Lefo Dick LeBeau's defense. He's a physical guy. He plays very good one-on-one -on -one in man coverage. And, you know, Sims I don't think we've seen the end of. He's starting to get buried in that depth chart for sure. But I think he's a guy that's going to add a lot of a lot of depth. He's a guy that does add some depth for us. And he's a guy that will stick around, I think, for a little bit at least. Um, so, you know, equal in that pick since we picked the same guy. The next one, the eighth pick in the sixth round, uh, we ended up going with Sebastian Tretola, who was a guy I was very low on. Uh, I would have went with the other guard that went right behind him, Wes Schwarzer from San Jose State. Uh, Schwarzer I did like better than Tretola. Schwarzer is still in the league, has been average at best, but he still plays football and he's not shooting himself. Uh, so, better than Tretola? <laughs> I mean, I think that's... That's pretty easy to, to say uh, that I would have won that pick. I, you know, I wasn't big on Tretola because he had zero ability to pass block. Uh, Schwarzer was a guy that wasn't very athletic, and he, he stood up too often. But I thought that was stuff that you could work on. Uh, I thought he was stronger than people gave him credit for, um, and I would have taken him there. So I would have won that, but again, it's not like Schwarzer's setting the world on fire. The next pick... Uh, in real life, ended up being Aaron Wallace out of UCLA. I ended up taking a guy that I had as was one of my deeper gems in this class that also went to UCLA, and that's Thomas Durante, who's this tight end wide receiver hybrid. I really like that tweener size. I thought you could play around with that a lot in a system. Um, you have to go with Aaron Wallace here. You know, Durante has yet to have a pass or catch, sorry, in the NFL. And he's only played in one regular season game. Uh, he's never started. Likely a guy that's not going to be playing football for very long. So you have to go with Aaron Wallace. Even though you know I was very low on Aaron Wallace. I did not like that pick at all. And so far, Aaron Wallace had really hasn't changed my mind that much. I'm a little higher on him. But I still think there's a lot of his game that is terrible. Um, and then the last pick is a guy that I had on my deep. Jim's list and we ended up taking that was Kalen Reed me and the Titans would have been or me and John Robinson would have been on the same page here uh, I thought uh, sorry I thought Kalen Reed was going to be a guy that went in the late sixth round early seventh round so being the very last pick of the seventh round I would have been all over him right there uh, I like this pick a lot I, you know I thought that I had a lot of upside because of his ball skills so that that is the guy that I would have went after so all in all I would have had two picks in this draft, you know, if I was the general manager that was home run or were home run picks, but also wouldn't have gotten Jack Conklin, which would have been, you know, pretty painful. That offensive line would not be what it is if it was Laramie Tunsil. Although, you know, you would have to say Laramie Tunsil would be playing better if he was playing on the right side rather than the left, uh, which he has been. Um, you know, not getting uh, Demarc or not getting Derrick Henry. You know, if you look at this year or last year, really would have hurt when, you know, DeMarco Murray starts losing the production and starts getting hurt. You know, what's that mean for you know, our backups? You know, is David Flewellen now our starter? Is David Flewellen now the guy that we're looking to? Probably would have cost us a, a few games down the stretch. So, all in all, I mean, shocker here, spoiler alert, John Robinson's a fucking genius. <laughs> like, that's what it comes down to. He's just, he's so great at what he does. Uh, it would have been great to have a guys like Michael Thomas and Yannick Ngakwe, like no question. But the the talent that we lose elsewhere 
would have been troublesome. You know, I'd like to have Jaron Reed over Austin Johnson. Uh, even though I do think Austin Johnson is best has yet to come. I think he is a guy that is going to produce later in his uh, for us. But um, you know, a couple picks I think I, I did better than than John Robinson did. But even if you look at Ngakwe, which is one of my best picks behind Michael Thomas, we got Kevin Byard there. So it, it really wasn't an improvement. Like I said, it was even. Michael Thomas is the only pick that I would have picked that would have been far better than what the Titans did. Um, but that's what my team would have looked like. You know, all in all, we would have had uh, Cliche Osimile. We would have had Casey Hayward. We would have had Michael Thomas, Ngakwe, Larry Tunsil, Xavier Howard, Jaron Reed, Wendell Smallwood, uh, Thomas Durante, Wes Switzer, and then, of course, Kalen Reed, LaShawn Sims would have still been on the team. Uh, as long, along with guys like Byron Bell, Zach Brown, um, Brian Hoyer, there never would have been a Rashad Johnson era and for the Tennessee Titans, um, and DGB likely would have gotten traded, but I, I wouldn't have, um, I wouldn't have done it for Dennis Kelly, which ended up being uh, a great trade in hindsight. So that's what I would have done in 2016. Um, let me know in on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, on our website, however you want to. Let me know what you think about these picks and think about what my team would have looked like and how you how well they would have done. And you know what? Tell me if you think my team would have beaten Cody's team. I'll put that poll up there and we'll release our rosters to show what, kind of what they look like. And you, tell, you can tell us who you think had the better team going into the 2016 year. And then, of course, we'll be on the show coming up here soon together to go over 2017 together. And then, of course, we'll do 2018 on his show, Titan Town on YouTube. Of course, I'm your host, Ryan Moreland. You can find me at the Ryan Moreland on Twitter as well as Facebook. At TTU Podcast is where you find the show's Facebook and Twitter uh, and you can find the show at www.ttupodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back soon with more episodes. Uh, sorry it has been such a delay. And remember, go check out those Audible books. Uh, get yourself a free audiobook and uh, and help the show. And just help us continue. Also, be sure to check out my Patreon. Patreon uh, slash TTU we're going to put it, be putting a bunch of stuff up there. You just donate a dollar and you can have access to it. Um, all this exclusive content that's coming out. There's already something up there if you want to go check it out. Uh, just to try to generate some money because we have some big plans coming up in this offseason and for the regular season. Oh, and of course, I forgot to mention, we're hosting the fucking draft, guys. Nashville got the draft. This is old news by now. You all know it. Very excited about this, though. And I'm going to try my absolute hardest to be at the draft. It'll be close to finals time for me. I'm still a college student, as most of you know. So it might be a little hard. But I'm going to try to be there. I'm going to be trying to do live shows there and get interviews with some of the fans, some of you guys that have been faithful TTU listeners. So definitely check it out. So check out Patreon. Add me on Facebook. Add me on Twitter. Um, Get fucking amped for the draft. Get amped for the season. Let me know how I did on my team. And let let me know if I beat Cody's team. I think I would. Alright, and as always, tighten up. Yeah, uh. 
Two-Tone, the podcast, it's the liveest. Every week we talking about them Tennessee Titans. Better tune in, it's the podcast you want. Hosted by my big homie, Ryan Moreland. Mariota throwing bombs he don't ever miss. Malcolm Butler hold it down with the pick six. Talking stats and plays, what's happening? Derrick Henry, Dory Jackson, this where we get it cracking. Yeah, Tennessee Titans podcast. Two-Tone, ayy. Tune in.